0: Philippians 4, verse 13. In our men's time on Friday morning, we heard the the speaker, Adrian Rogers, uh, say that a little tiny key can open up a huge, huge door. And that's what we have here this morning Uh, the picture of one little phrase that maybe, quite honestly, for most of you who are Christians, it, it might be your very favorite verse. <laughs> and uh, here this morning, we are looking at Philippians 4, verse 13. But before we look into that, that one verse, I want to just remind you of how we got this started with this series, this study about how to stand firm in the Lord I'm going to read to you this quote again that I read at the very start when we started this series from Rick Holland. He said, internal struggles, emotional instability, upsetting doubts. These are really theological problems disguised as earthly troubles. Wrong thinking about Jesus and the salvation he offers will metastasize into a debilitating soul cancer. These disorders in our souls are directly related to our understanding or our misunderstanding of eternal life. And that's really important that we understand that um, because, again, you weigh it out in your own life what's going on that's causing a lot of stress. And it's not just that you can you know, quickly, you know, uh, drop a, a, t- a spiritual tablet in the glass of water and, and drink it and be done with the stress. That's not the issue. But there's, there's all sorts of stress in our lives, all sorts of issues that we deal with, difficulties, trials, troubles. And God, in His infinite wisdom, has given us the Word of God. For those who are believers in Jesus Christ, you have the Spirit of God within you, And we have the word of God that the spirit of God illuminates to our lives so that we then can apply these things and see what God does and see what God does in working through these stress issues and these difficulties, as long as we will apply it. And that's where I'm at. I can say, well, I know these things, but if I don't take it and then apply it, it doesn't do my, it doesn't do a whole lot of good just to know it. I gotta apply it. And that's where we're at really with this whole study in Philippians 4. You know, we sang about it. The um got by the way, I, I got a new remote. I'm getting used to it. And we'll move it. See, you don't know what I deal with with right, Chris? <laughs> Yeah, no, this is a new one. (laughs) Um, We just need to get that off the screen. We'll let the guys do that. Sorry. Thank you. I love it when they say that. You got it. (laughs) We'll get through this. uh, Okay. All right. So, um, we uh, we have remedy... Number one, in Jesus Christ with the issues that we're dealing with. If we'll just trust Jesus Christ. But then specifically, we get into a passage like Philippians 4 and many, many other passages that all you need to do, Christian, is put it into action. Do it. Be a doer of the word. And watch what God will do. And guess what? you will see more and more growth. And you'll see God's hand upon your life. And that's exciting. That's what we want. And um, so this whole idea of, you know, we talk about how to stand firm. And you can get all sorts of other uh, messages that you can listen to on the radio or on the internet or on the television. And you get all these how to this and how to that. And it really comes down to what we're going to talk about today. When the two worlds meet, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And that's, that's where uh, the collision is supposed to happen. Your life giving way and yielding and submitting to the Lord Jesus Christ in your life. And again, what I said earlier is not to imply that all your troubles will be vanished. No, you will go through troubles because we've been reading about it. Paul has been saying it. Okay? But what I what I want to do is talk about this whole issue of the foundations of contentment because that's where he opened up the door. The door got opened up when he said I've learned the secret of being content. And contentment starts, if you want to follow along in your outline, here's what we've got in the outline. There's a lot of stuff in the outline today, but don't fear. A lot of this will go quickly here, especially as front page in your outline in the bulletin if you'd like to follow along. This contentment, this peace in your heart starts when Jesus is my Savior King. Can you say that in your heart? When no one else is looking, can you say, Jesus is my Savior King? Can you say that? And then, it doesn't stop there. It starts when, he is, when I recognize that He is my sovereign King. Can I say that? That He's my sovereign King. What does that mean? It's all it's saying is, He is in control. That's what sovereign means. He has got the reign. He's he's supposed to have the, the rule. Does he? So this contentment starts when Jesus is my Savior King. And I understand his sacrifice. I understand he's my sovereign king. I understand that he's in control of all the situations, all the circumstances in my life. He's in control. And then thirdly, and by the way, I might not get it in my life, you know, that he's always in control, obviously. I have trouble comprehending that, and you do too. But I keep coming back to this truth because it's in the Word of God that He is a sovereign God. If He's not sovereign, then He's not really God, okay? Same thing. If He's not really holy and perfect, He's not God. And so, the more we get that fused into our minds and into our lives, the more we can say, I'm going to go through this situation. I'm going to go through this circumstance because I know God's in control and He doesn't make mistakes. I'm the one that makes mistakes. (laughs) We're the one that makes mistakes. God doesn't. But thirdly, I recognize that He's my shepherd king. I love that because now it's not just about, I understand... His sacrifice in being my savior king. I understand his control and reign as my sovereign king. But I understand he's my shepherd king. Why? Because he takes care of his flock. His sheep hear his voice and they follow him. And the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Now, when I think I want something... You know, and all that. Now I've got to be concerned about, oh, this thing of discontentment. Is that discontentment rising up in me? Because that's how, that's how it comes forth. I'm trying to convince myself, oh, I've got to get something better. Okay? And again, we want to make it clear. If you're here today and you weren't in the past, uh, the past week or so, it's not about um, never trying to do better and improve yourself. It's, we're not talking about that. What we're talking about is just this issue of, do I have a peace with what I have in my life now? So, is he sovereign king? I'm, I'm sorry, is he savior king, sovereign king, and shepherd king? And do you know him in this way? I want to plead with you at this moment. And folks that are here on a regular basis, we have to remember, people come and they check out a church and they visit a church and they might not know the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we want to continue to present the gospel in this way. And so the message that we have talked about in the past three or four or five weeks has been really directed to Christians to help them grow in their faith in Jesus Christ. And it might be that you're here this morning and you don't understand what it means to have a, a Lord, a Savior, to, to believe on Jesus Christ. And I said it earlier in, in between the songs. It's a matter of you recognizing your sin and and recognizing that God's provision in Christ is, is a gift. It's a gift. And what do you do with a gift? You receive it and that's the idea that's a simple idea of coming to faith in jesus christ you believe you have faith and you respond and part of the belief has to be a matter of repenting from sin turning away from it that's why jesus died on the cross he died on the cross bearing your sins and taking the punishment for sin because god is holy God is a holy God. He will punish sin. We might not see that right now, right here in our lives. But God will punish sin. And he punished his own son at Calvary. So that you might be reconciled, reconciled to God. Made in a a right relationship with God. That you can turn and call him Abba, Father. Right? And so, my friend, if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ, be reconciled to God through Christ. Come to faith in Jesus Christ. So that you can then turn and say, I know Him as my Savior King. I know Him as my Sovereign King. I know Him as my Shepherd King. So, now, back to contentment now. And if, by the way, if you want to talk about this, I'll stay around all day today if you want me to and talk about this with you believe me i will now it's that important that's why it's about eternity that's why so back to contentment here's our subject again and paul said real simple it's something that i had to what he had to learn it so it's an art to be learned contentment You have to learn it, my friend. If you're a Christian, you have to learn how to be content. Now, it's based... Here's the fill in the blanks. Rapid fire, ready? It's based on God, your contentment. It's based on God and who He is. It's based on His Word. Based on God and His Word. I can therefore rest in His care and His control. Because... God is orchestrating all the things in my life. Now, here's where we have problems. Here's where splits come up in the, in, kind of in the pathway. I don't get it. Why? How come? And I don't quite track along with what God's trying to do in my life because I look at the situation or the circumstance and I get my focus on that rather than on my sovereign king, my shepherd king. So I want to keep my eyes on him. And what is he doing this for? God is orchestrating all things in my life to produce success for me. Just shake your head. No, it's not about success for me. But see, that's what the Christian world, a lot of the Christian world is starting to go for It's about your success. No, it's not. It's about God. And so what does God want to produce in you? Christ-likeness. Christ-likeness. So that when people look at you, they don't see you, they see more about Christ. Because that's what we're supposed to be about. Your life is supposed to be about living for Christ. Christ. And then to bring glory to his name. There's the the definition of a Christian's life to be Christ like and to bring glory to God's name. Okay, now, contentment is the sense of, here's the next fill in the blank. Contentment is a sense of satisfaction. That's what it gets down to. Because I am in Christ. Contentment is the sense of satisfaction because I am in Christ. Turn to John chapter 6. Keep your finger there in Philippians. We'll come back to it. But turn to John chapter 6. Jesus talked about this very thing. Satisfaction because I am in Christ. John chapter 6 Let's pick it up at at verse 32. Jesus therefore said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread out of heaven. He's talking about the manna. But it is my Father who gives you the true bread out of heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down out of heaven and gives life to the world. And then he goes on responding to their request. They said, in verse 34... Lord, evermore, give us this bread. It's like a free in-and-out meal or something, right? Here it is. Come and get it. And they're saying, where do we get it? Look at what he says. Verse 35. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall not hunger. He who believes in me shall never thirst. Amazing. Amazing. What does never mean? Thank you. It means never. And Christ said that about himself. What kind of an insane person would say that? And here's what we're dealing with. A lot of times we don't get it because we're thinking Jesus is just another good teacher, he's another prophet. And he's been blessed by God. No, he's God in the flesh. That's why he can say it. He's God in the flesh. There's a miracle we're talking about here. Okay, so, John 6, 35. Mark it. Know it. Get to know it. It's about satisfaction in who? In Christ alone. Because he says, you'll never thirst again. You'll never hunger again. So Jesus' message is, it's your deepest hunger or thirst. And it's not, guess what? It's not being filled by anything this world gives. Is there anything that you can give me right here in this audience this morning that says that this satisfies the soul like Jesus? Is there anything? Win the lottery ticket. Hey you got in trouble now <laughs> you win the lottery ticket you might just be cat you know really get in trouble you just never know i'm not saying it's wrong to you know hey if you get an inheritance of big money good great use it for god <laughs> be wise but is there anything else anything at all ever that can match up to the satisfaction of, of that jesus christ offers and yet what do we try and do what do I do? What do you do? How many times do I go after and chase after other things thinking that I'll find satisfaction in it? And you know what that is? There's a definition of my youth. <laughs> There's a definition maybe of your youth. Right? Because in our youth, we, we chased after all sorts of things because why? Wow, it's, it's, it's such a w- wonderful world. Look at all the things we can enjoy. But Christ is saying, no, it is your thirst, your hunger is filled, is quenched in Jesus himself. And there's nothing else that compares to it. Okay. Now, with that in mind, we say, therefore, Philippians four thirteen. Therefore, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Because he is the one who's promised that he will bring the satisfaction. He is the satisfaction. He's the one. He's the bread of life. He's the living water. And the point of that was to say, you won't need to go chasing after other pleasures in this life. To have that need filled. Have have that thing filled. And literally, this verse, back now in Philippians chapter 4, Verse 13, take, um, remember what's the context. What is the context that he's been talking about? He's been saying, um, okay, here's, here's the peace of God that surpasses all comprehension. And here's what you think about verse eight, whatever is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, good repute. If there's any excellence, anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things and what you've learned and received and heard and seen in me practice these things then he says i want to thank you for your gift and he says not that i had any need because i i've learned the secret of contentment okay and that's what he brings us to now and so the in the context of this chapter he's really talking about um, in, in in the previous two verses he's talking about things the things situations circumstances that's what he's talking about and so literally if you take the greek language of this one verse verse 13 and kind of picked it apart and, and just said what's first and and what's next the verse starts with this literally it's in your bulletin in all things that's the emphasis that he starts with, saying, here's, here's what's kind of first in his thinking. In all things, therefore, I... And here's what you fill in the blank with. I continue to be strong. That's the verb. I continue to be strong. All right? By the one empowering me. So that's how we can transliterate Philippians 4.13. In all things, I continue to be strong... By the one empowering me. Now, that doesn't mean uh, what a lot of people get to thinking like, you know, um, here's, here's this verse on my little bracelet reminding me, you know, Philippians 4.13, there it is. Now, is that, it, it's like sometimes people get to thinking like it's a little magic, little, you know, formula. <laughs> just, just say Philippians 4.13 and voila. No. It's not designed in that kind of a sense. Because what's the context? The context is, here's these circumstances. Here's these situations. Okay? By the way, I want to read this to you from um, a portion of Hudson Taylor. Hudson Taylor, missionary to China. Okay? Hudson Taylor received a letter that really kind of caught his attention regarding the adequacy of Christ. And he responded with this. Hudson Taylor. He says, it is not by trusting my own faithfulness, but by looking away to the faithful one. It's not by trusting my own faithfulness, but by looking away, away from me, away from myself. To the faithful one. And Hudson Taylor, you know, uh, you know, here's a man who was a, a faithful missionary, you know, and known throughout uh, the body of Christ for what he accomplished, what example he set in China as he served the Lord. And so Hudson Taylor was able to draw upon the strength of the Lord, the power of the Lord, in all the things that he faced. So... This is the Christian's secret. Okay? At the bottom of your outline, the front page, this is the Christian's secret. It's the growing Christian's testimony because they're relying on Christ in every situation. Okay? Paul's secret, it's kind of funny because it's not a secret. It's right here. It's an open secret. And guess what? If you're saying, I'm a Christian, then... You are you're you're able to join in on this. To what? To have contentment in all the circumstances of life. So this brings us to the back of your outline. You can turn over it and see number eight. (laughs) Finally got to number eight here on living in this way live dependently. Live dependently. Letter A, it's the extent. We see it in all things. In in verse 11 and 12, backing up, you know, in any and every circumstance, right? Now, I've listed some references from 2 Corinthians, and you can see, you can look them up uh, on your own, but here's one in particular, 2 Corinthians 12, verse 10, okay? For the sake of Christ, then, I am... Content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. But he, Christ, said to me, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses. So that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Okay? Mark it down. 2 Corinthians 12, 9, and 10. Does that verse really touch off something in your heart and in your mind? Then get to know the verse. You know? Take it for your own. Own it, as we say. So, in these other references, Paul's doing similar. He's listing these various situations that he ended up being in, he was in them. Did he sign up for it? No. Yes. What is it? Yeah, he signed up for it by having faith in Christ. Because we forget it. In our world, we forget about the suffering. Listen, the suffering that they went through back in those days. What happened in the book of Acts? You think about, it. oh, wouldn't it be cool just to be in the, in the Acts church there? in the early church. Wouldn't that be great? I mean, you can see Peter and Paul doing these miracles. Wow, wouldn't that be cool? Are you sure? Because guess what? Suffering happened and persecution happened and boom. What happened to the people? They split. They went out. And really, again, God designed it. God allowed it. So why? The church would spread. But at the moment, at the very moment, it was persecution and suffering. And then later on, you were in Jerusalem, let's say, or northern Israel, let's say, and you got off to Italy. Well, guess what happened in Italy? Christians became torches for Nero's court. Got it? So, we need to understand, we are in a in a society that we don't have a whole lot of suffering like they did we, yes we have situations and circumstances that weigh us down that burden us, that hurt us, that pain us but not like the early church so the extent of living dependently the extent is in every, any and every circumstance letter B it's this, here's the source the source is it's Christ and what does Christ bring? Christ brings strength. Here's it. and um, little statement that I read uh, um, says the ability of Christ, the ability of Christ knows no inability. The ability of Christ knows no inability. Um, under the source is the provision. What is that? There's the strength that's provided for today. Strength for today. Bright hope for tomorrow. That's the provision that you have, Christian. Strength for today. Strength in time of need. Then underneath that is, it's not only the provision, but it's the provider. And I I listed Psalm 23 and other passages, and I want to show you this one. Psalm 121. Let's read it together. Ready? Psalm... we'll read it together but don't worry about the verses because we're reading the whole psalm it's all up here psalm 121 lift up your heads and read it with me ready I lift up my eyes from where does my help come my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth he will not let your foot be moved he who keeps you will not slumber behold he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Psalm 121. I tell you, if you're having struggles with having a peace with the circumstances that you're facing in life, you take, time, you take time in Psalm 121 and what are you going to see? You're going to see the one who n- neither sleeps nor slumbers and he watches over his people Israel. That's in the Psalm. But we know that Christ now, he's become our Messiah. He's our Savior King. And I can say, I can say Woody Swenson in that Psalm. God watches over Woody Swenson. God watches over His children. Okay. There's other references there under the provider. Under letter 8B, the provision is the strength for today. The provider, it's listed here in these verses. Find, uh, Ephesians 6.10 is one more verse that I've listed up here. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord. Now listen, that's saying to you, you Christian You be strong in the Lord. How? In the strength of His might. All right? Then there's other verses. You can look those up another time. But the point he makes is all about living the Christian life supernaturally. Okay? There's the fill in the blank right in the middle of the back of your outline. The point he makes is all about living the Christian life supernaturally empowered by Christ. We all like the story of Samson. Yeah? Some of the things, the mighty things that Samson did. Listen to what Charles Spurgeon, the great prince of preachers, listen to what Charles Spurgeon says about this story. So what can a jawbone of a donkey do? He didn't say donkey. I, I changed that. Nobody knows till it gets in Samson's hands now now that it's in Samson's hands now no one knows what it cannot do now that Samson wields it you follow that he's picking up a jawbone of a donkey off of the ground inanimate object but in the hands of one with great strength what happens He mows down the enemy. You take that thought and you take it into your life today. The one who is strong. The one who has conquered the enemy. Jesus Christ, the mighty one. When you, as a Christian, when you are in his hands, what is it that can happen? So, that's the point. That you and I, Christian, live supernaturally empowered by Christ. And then the picture, he gives in another reference in, in John chapter 15. The picture is the vine and the branches. There it is. There's where, it's not just, you know, we say in this point eight, live dependently. But you know what we ought to really say? Live desperately. Live desperately desperately. A lot of times we just we just figure oh i'm, I'm living dependently and if you're thinking of that picture that john uh, that jesus gives in john 15 you realize that branch better think more not just dependently but desperately boy if i get off the vine i'm going to be what i'm going to be firewood <laughs> i want to i want to stay on there now here's the thing it's not a matter of, of using that reference and thinking oh you you might lose your salvation that's not the that's not the point that he's making the idea is that we would be you know once once we're there as his child right he is the vine we are the branches okay down to letter c let us see the transaction we have the extent in every, and every circumstance, I trust in Him. The source, it's His strength. He's the provider. And let us see is, here's the transaction now. He is our strength. Because He is our strength, I yield to Him. He is our strength. I yield to Him. He is our sufficiency. I depend on Him. He is our sufficiency. I depend on Him. I want to um, have you turn this is one of our final uh, references here. I want you to turn your Bible to Jeremiah 17. Old Testament, middle of your Old Testament there, Jeremiah 17. I read this in my, my reading, uh, my devotional uh, reading this, this week, and it just kind of jumped off the page at me because I knew we'd be talking about this verse, Philippians 4:13. Are you there? Jeremiah 17, starting at verse 5. Jeremiah 17, starting at verse 5. He says, thus says the Lord. Cursed is the man who trusts in mankind and makes flesh his strength and whose heart turns away from the Lord. He's, and here's the picture he gives of it. In verse 6, he'll be like a bush in the desert. I mean, come on, we know what that looks like. <laughs> Parched, dry, ready to be consumed by the fire, right? Verse 6, he carries on, and he will not see when prosperity comes, but will live in stony wastes in the wilderness, a land of salt without inhabitant. Verse 7, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. See that difference? Not just in the Lord, but whose trust is the Lord. And he's saying, here it is. Either cursed is the one who's trusting in man, or himself, blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord. Very basic, but very important that we see this. This was happening in the Old Testament. The prophet Jeremiah was speaking it. Now notice what it goes on to say. Here's the picture of the man trusting the Lord. Verse 8, he'll be like a tree planted by water that extends its roots by a stream and will not fear when the heat comes, but its leaves will be green. It will not be anxious in a year of drought, nor cease to yield fruit. Now, keep that in mind. You know what the very next verse says? Look at verse 9. Here's why we need this. Because the heart is more deceitful than any than all else it's desperately sick who can understand it folks do you get this God's telling us and when I go to lean on my own understanding proverbs three five and six then I'm going with my heart and you hear this a lot people say oh, I'm just I'm going with what my heart tells me okay let's Let's nail that down to what Scripture is saying. Does that compare with Scripture? We gotta be careful, because many teachers out there are saying, just go with what your heart tells you. But the Bible says the heart is desperately wicked. Who can understand it? And what why is it why is it stated that way? Desperate deceitful than all else, desperately sick? Why? Why is it talked that way? I mean, Look at us. I mean, we're nice people, right? We're good people, right? But at the heart of it, you and I are rebels against God. Except for Jesus Christ. Except for Jesus Christ coming and rescuing you and giving you His Spirit. Okay. Right. So, back to the outline here. Here's the transaction regarding Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. He is our strength. I yield to Him. He is our sufficiency. I depend on Him. And He is, by the way, if He's my strength, if He's my sufficiency, then guess what? Third one? He is my satisfaction. He is my satisfaction. Gets back to what He said in John six. 35 and therefore if he is our satisfaction what's the response I treasure him I treasure him that's what we say when we come to worship we say we we worship him is that really true or are you just following along on a routine I get caught in routines we all get caught and we go, well, i got to watch that. And so when we come to church, or when we go to a Bible study on the weeknights or whatever, let's let's ask God to prepare our hearts, to work in our hearts. So, He is our strength, I yield to Him. He is our sufficiency, I depend on Him. He is our, thirdly, satisfaction, I treasure Him. Okay, now this last section on the outline... If you're looking at the outline, you can see that moment by moment, we live the exchanged life or the dependent life. We live that way. But guess what? The moment we lose sense of our need of him to enable us to live a supernatural life is the moment we are vulnerable. You got that? The moment we think that, oh, I'm doing okay. Everything's cool. See, that's the deceitful thing in it all. When things are really smooth sailing, then I, I end up thinking, oh, well, you know, God's really blessed. Everything's going okay. I don't need to worry. I'm, in fact, if I miss devotions or whatever, that's no big thing because everything's cool. How deceitful is that? Because then what happens is I start subtly trusting in my own self. You start trusting in your own self. And thus, are we content people? Really? No. Because we're latching on to ourselves now. So the moment by moment, living the exchange life. And now, this, this final fill in the blank, you can take it home. Please, take it home and start figuring it out. If it's the exchange life that I'm going to live, what do I have? And here's an example. I'll give you an example for the first one. My cares for His care. Oh, I like that. I'm going to exchange my cares, my burdens, my anxieties. I'm going to exchange that for His care and His comfort. Where does that come from? If you'll be studying the Word, it's 1 uh, 1 Peter 5, verse 7. Casting what? Casting all your care... Right? Casting all your care upon him. For, why? For he careth for you. There you go. Here's power, Christian. You want power? There it is. He's caring for you. Now, there's other ones. I've filled in. But I'm not going to tell you mine. You fill them in. And then when you fill them in, let's share them. Okay? Listen. Why did Paul... Why do we say Paul led a victorious life? Because he let Christ rule and reign in his life. And that's where the struggle is. All too often, we're, we're trying to take the rule back, letting a dead, dead old man rule and reign in, a, in, a, in my life. The old flesh. Your old flesh. Why, why is that happening? That shouldn't be happening. Let's let the new man... Here's Christ... Put on the new man. Put off the old. Put on the new. Here's Christ. Let him lead and rule and reign in your life. But you can't just say, oh, yeah, I've been really encouraged. Guess what? You have to go figure out what that is by being in the word. You've got to be in the word to know what that means. Okay. Okay. One last illustration, all right? French scientists built up high in the mountains the world's largest solar furnace. Okay? This amazing furnace, with its complex of nearly 20,000 mirrors, can concentrate enough sunlight to create temperature in excess of 6,000 degrees Fahrenheit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> According to Time magazine, anchored against a reinforced concrete office in a laboratory building, the huge concave mirror consists of 8,570 individual reflectors. For the furnace to operate efficiently, these 18 inch square mirrors must be precisely adjusted so that the light Will converge exactly at the focal point, fifty-nine feet in front of the giant reflector. Some of you have seen this, you know, th- not this particular one, but you've seen similar kinds of things. We we uh, pass a place down in Southern California that has those all those mirror things in the in the desert, out in the desert. It's acres and acres of these mirror things, solar energy, right there. And. It's like one of them is is not quite set and you get, you, you, you see it. You see a dark spot in the field of mirrors. Isn't that interesting? I don't think that one mirror that's a dark spot is creating heat with the rest of them. You follow me? Here's the thing. When those mirrors are adjusted just right to the sun, what happens? In this case, here's a focal point of energy. guess what? It only takes, he goes on to say, it takes only a minute for the powerful light from the reflector to cut through a fiery hole through three-eighths inch thick steel plate. It takes a minute according to this. Why? Concentrated reflection from the sun through there through this apparatus. And so, when you and I are adjusted to the Son, the Lord Jesus, and then we we are joining together with other believers, you know what? Is, you know, can, can you now say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me? Yeah, because there's an adjustment to the sun. I'm going to keep my eyes on the sun. No matter what the circumstances, I will keep my eyes on the sun. I hope that this will encourage you to live in a mature way in your life. Because that's the need of the day. We need Christians who are growing in maturity so that Christians will disciple others, and through that, new souls coming to know the Lord. That's what it boils down to. As many of you know, this is a a bracelet that was made when Sarah was going through the struggle of cancer. And Philippians 4.13 is on the other side of it. And we remind ourselves that she gained the victory in a complete way, and I don't know how much. I mean, there, we we've reflected on this enough times of the the difficulty of going through chemotherapy and the the struggle. There, I wish I would have been able to. We ha- she had this crazy. Uh, brace that she had to wear around her, her hip and her leg when she first was in it and it's like that was the nastiest thing that, that it was a contraption that you wanted to just go and crush under a 5 ton whatever you know get it was so um, awkward so painful yet all that you know I I I mentioned that and yet still come back to say um, Sarah you know, wanted to follow through on Philippians 4.13 and in in difficulty I really believe that the Lord Jesus carried her you know that kind of concept I don't know how you know we, we shake our heads at it and have no clue have no clue that that of what not just Sarah but any other person going through that stuff has to deal with and You might be facing a situation at work, at home, with relatives, whoever it is. And you might think, "I, I can't handle it. Yes, you can, Christian. Yes, you can. And it's not because of some slick presentation or some, you know, cool book or whatever. It's because of Christ in you. That's where the power comes from. And we get, we, we get our eyes fixed in the wrong place and not to the sun. And we need to keep our eyes set on Jesus Christ. And God will help you, no matter what situation you're in. God will help you as long as you keep saying, God, I, I, just, I need your help. I look to you. I want to evaluate my own life. Because if there's something in your life that's not right, then he wants to wake you up to that and get things made right. Right? Maybe that's one of the reasons you're going through some of the stuff you're going through is because you're harboring a sinful attitude or a bitter bitterness in your heart, whatever that might be. I'm Noreen, would you please get a hymnal here and and I want you to look at this hymn. It's 363. 363 in your hymnal. Now, before we stand and sing it and close, would you just look at this text, the text, the words? More love to thee, O Christ. More love to thee. Hear thou the prayer I make on bended knee. This is my earnest plea. More love, O Christ, to thee. More love to thee. Look at verse 2. Look at it. Once earthly joy I craved, sought peace and rest. Now thee alone I seek, give what is best. This is all my prayer shall be. More love, O Christ, to thee. Then shall my latest breath whisper thy name, thy praise. This be the parting cry my heart shall raise. This still my prayer shall be. More love, O Christ to thee.
1: And at some places
0: we can even say, instead of my prayer, my life. Is that your desire, my friend? Is that your desire? Your life? Let's stand. Let's sing it and then we'll be done, okay?